Howdy, my friends, and welcome to episode 23 of Running with Sam and Dave, our daily run through the book of 1 Samuel. We are in chapter 6, and thank you for being here. I hope this is a blessing to you. And something I was thinking about this morning, this is all a bonus for you today, is one of the mistakes I think that we often make is to think that our life experiences are for our benefit. Now, I'm not saying they're not for our benefit. I think that the Lord teaches us many things through our life experiences, but I think it's a, it's a sad thing when we start to think that our life experiences are solely for our own benefit. When we start to think about the lessons we've learned, the things God has revealed to us in his word, the, the, the things we've learned, as we might say, the hard way through, through, uh, making mistakes through consequences, negative consequences to sinful decisions and things like that. It's a shame when we keep it to ourselves, when we keep those lessons to ourselves. And so my hope is that you will find an output, an output for your faith, that you will find a a place, a way to share the things that God has taught you, uh, that you'll find a way to to share the the lessons that you've earned in this life that you can hand on, hand off those things to others so that they might not learn the hard way. Um, uh, I always have said, I, I wish I had enough wisdom to, uh, and enough humility to look at the lives of others and say, okay, I'm not going to do that. Okay. I'm not going to do that. Okay. I'm going to do that rather than looking at it, their lives and saying, well, I could, I could do it better, you know? Well, they failed at their attempt because they did it this way. And and rather understanding like, hey, you know, do what God says, <laughs> you know, walk his walk in his ways. Um, your own ways tend to lead to a disaster. So anyway, that's just something I was thinking about this morning. So I thought I'd share it with you. Uh, so, hey, let's look at uh, chapter six of First Samuel. For those of you that have not been with us, this is what's happened. The people of Israel went to battle with the Philistines, they lost, so they decided the answer must be take the Ark of the Covenant with them into battle. They lost again. The Ark of the Covenant was taken by the Philistines. The Philistines sent it to the Temple of Dagon. They put it before Dagon. Dagon, the the idol, when they caught up in the morning, had fallen down before the Ark of the Covenant. They stood Dagon back up. The next day, they came out in his head, and his hands had broken off over the uh, threshold. And they also had been struck with tumors and uh, great destruction. And so they finally said, we need to get the Ark of the Covenant out of here. And so what we read about at the end of chapter five was how they kept sending it to different places, right? So they had a problem in uh, where they start off was that Ash, yeah, Ashdod. And then when they had problems there, they sent it to Gath. And then when they had problems in Gath, they sent it they sent it to Ekron and uh, it just kept happening. So finally it says, now the Ark of the Lord was in the country of the Philistines seven months. So for seven months, they've been dealing with all of these sort of plague situations and problems. And finally, after moving it from town to town, the Philistines called for the priests and diviners saying, what shall we do with the Ark of the Lord? Tell us, how we should send it to its place, right? So they want to get rid of it, all right? So they, how do we get it back home? So what do the guys say? Verse three, so they said, if you send away the ark of God of Israel, do not send it empty, but by all means return it to him with a trespass offering. Then you will be healed. 
and it will be known to you why his hand is not removed from you. Then they said, What is the trespass offering which we should offer to him, or which we shall return to him? And they answered, Five golden tumors and five golden rats, according to the number of the lords of the Philistines, for the same plague was on all of you and your lords. Therefore you shall make images of your tumors and images of your rats that ravage the land, and you shall give glory to God of Israel. Perhaps you will lighten his hand from you, from your gods, and from your land. And then verse 6, he says, Why then do you harden your hearts, as the Egyptians and Pharaoh hardened their hearts? When he did mighty things among them, did they not let the people go, that they might depart? All right, so this is kind of interesting because they, you know, they ask their religious leaders, their priests and diviners, saying, what shall we do? And they say, well, you know, if you're going to, if you send it back, make sure you, you add an offering. And what offering do they say? Well, make images of the tumors that you had, which may have been hemorrhoids as far as we know. We're not sure exactly what they were, but that was the, the, um, the older traditional belief. And, um, and images of these rats, make them out of gold and return it with the ark. And then maybe, just maybe, you know, give glory, you know, give glory to the God of Israel. Perhaps he will lighten his hand from you, from your gods and from your land. You know, and so they, it's one of those things, again, they're so close. You're like, oh, you're so close. They want to give glory to God. They're they're making an offering. They've, they recognize his power over their land and over their gods and over all of them. And yet, and yet, they still don't submit to him and worship him. Right. They, rec- they, they haven't said there's no God, but this one God. They just said he has power over ours. He's, he's, their God's bigger, you know, that kind of thing, which would make you think like, maybe at that point you'd say, hmm, which God do you want to serve? The the big powerful God or the, the wimpy fish God whose hands and head broke off last week or seven months ago. Uh, anyway, it's, it's a tragic thing. But, you know, as we look at people's lives, I mean, I, I think we all know, we have all seen people like this, that they have seen the evidence. They've recognized it. They've even pointed it out in your life as a Christian where something has happened. And they go, oh, yeah. You know, God has blessed you. I've had that happen. I've had people that I knew were not following the Lord, but they recognized. They'd recognize things that happen in, in my life. They recognize things that happen in other people's lives. I, I, I've seen people comp- be complimentary to to Christians in the church and say, yeah, there's something special there. And, and it's just great to see how those people love each other. And, and yet it's like, well, you're, you're recognizing all these things, but are you going to surrender to him? Are you going to lay down your life to him? Are you going to, to worship the Lord? Well, I have some questions. Well, you know, the, the excuses come up. Um, and it's, and when we read it here, we just go, man, it's so foolish. And it's no more foolish now. You know, it's no more foolish now. There's, there's such abundant evidence um, for the, for just for the, the resurrection of Christ, let alone the, the evidence for the veracity of scripture. And, and maybe we'll talk about that at length uh, in the future. But it's one of those things you can you can easily find uh, all sorts of 
uh, apologetic information. In other words, not apologetic, like apologizing, like I'm sorry for this, but apologetic as far as biblical proofs. Um, and so anyway, I'm, I'm, I wasn't even talking about people seeing the truth of the scripture, but just recognizing the power of God in your life as a Christian, where they say, wow, what, what there's something different going on in you. And our hope is that they will see that and that they'll be drawn to him and not just be like the Philistines who say, yeah, give glory to God. Uh, look at, look at the mistakes that the, the Egyptians made. And yet they don't take that final step of saying, we need to serve this God. We need to follow this God. We need to surrender our own will. And submit ourselves to his. We need to believe what he has said about himself and and he, what he has said about us and reconcile those two things. When we recognize what God has said and we recognize that we are are falling, always falling short, that we are sin, sinful men and women and that we need a savior. When we recognize those things, when we come to him and we say, Lord, I need you. I need the life that you offer. I need the forgiveness that you offer. Lord, I'm, I'm submitting my life to you, you know, repenting, turning from our own ways. And that's really, you don't see really repentance from the Philistines here. What you see is they're trying to remove an uncomfortable situation. The heart of the matter isn't there's a God and we ought to be, we, we are subject to him. So we ought to subject ourselves to him rather than resist him. They say, what do we need to do to change the present situation so that it'll go back to being what it used to be? And Christian, we need to be careful about this. We need to be careful when we're communicating the gospel that it's not, hey, come to Jesus so that your life will be better than it was before as far as we need, you, it's more comfortable. You know, I've talked with people. I've talked with many people that have told me, oh, I tried being a Christian and it didn't work. And when I asked them, what do you, what do you mean it didn't work? And they've said things like, well, I still have the same stupid job. I still don't have a wife, you know, stuff like that. And you go, wait, 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 back up. Who told you that being a Christian meant you'd get a better job and you'd get a wife? That's not what it's about. Now, in my little things might happen, but that's, that's not what it's about. See, somebody is sold you a bill of goods. They've told you this is what you'll get with this offer of receiving Jesus. You'll have a better, better, um, a better now, a more prosperous now, and not in a sense of spiritually or in the eternal picture of things, but as far as the earthly sense of a better job, more money, that kind of thing. And I think that's what the Philistines are after here. They just want to go back to how they were before the problem started. And there are people that come to church like that too. They come to church because they've got problems and they just want life to go back to how it was. And what a tragedy if that's what we help them with rather than saying, you think, you think it was good how it was before? No, there, there's something better. And that is knowing Jesus, knowing him. And when you're talking about knowing him, it's, it's talking about receiving him as your savior, being filled with his Holy Spirit, having that assurance of salvation, having that confidence in him, knowing that his ways are best, submitting yourself to him, knowing that all the things that happen to you are working together for, for your good and 
for the furtherance of his kingdom. And not just that, but that peace that passes understanding, that ability to be, you know, that, that peace that comes from trusting in the one who knows everything, who has power over everything. There's just such a richness in, in the Christian life. And yet it seems here, and it seems like many people, what they really want is just some temporary comfort. And like the Philistines, I really think what they wanted was, can we just go back to how it was before? And what a tragedy that is that they miss out. They get so close and yet they miss the big picture. Don't miss the big picture. God bless you. Talk to you next time.